Hey friends, welcome to the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast exists to inspire, encourage, and ignite your kingdom purpose while equipping you to reach your potential for a global harvest. Be sure to follow us on social media and share this podcast with your friends so they can be encouraged. On today's episode, Reverend Rick Hughes, one of the visionaries behind this ministry who is gifted in leadership development, talks to us today about the impact you can have on this generation. You don't want to go anywhere, so let's get into today's episode. Gen Nation. I hope you're doing well today. Trusting your 2024 is off to a great start. We've got powerful and exciting Next Gen events scheduled this year. Looking forward to helping to ignite your kingdom purpose. Make sure you check us out on social media and our website at OK Next Gen. I'm excited today to share something that's really been on my heart for this podcast for a while. And I can't wait to share it with you because I believe it's going to be a blessing to you and very helpful. You know, you are some of my favorite people in all the world. And our Next Gen Leaders team absolutely believes in your generation that you are going to do amazing things. My title today of this podcast is A Tale of Two Next Gen Kings. And we're going to focus on the lives of King Jeroboam who ruled in Israel, and King Josiah, who ruled in Judah, two very powerful and influential kings who led God's people. And the question I'm posing to each of you today at the outset is this, which one of these two next-gen leaders are you? Because both of these kings were next-gen leaders in their day and time. And I'm trusting that we can learn some very valuable lessons from their lives as we compare and contrast their legacies today. So two kings, one in Israel, one in Judah, they were both next-gen leaders, yes. They both started when they were young. They both fit in our age demographic that we're targeting. Both were anointed and appointed by God, but their pathways took two very divergent directions based on their values and choices they made. One would be forever known as the king who made Israel to sin, and the other would be forever known as the king who made Israel to serve the Lord. Isn't that quite a distinction between the two? They couldn't be further from each other. Each king was faced with the age-old battle between the two thrones, righteousness and unrighteousness, spirit and flesh. And of course, those are the very same battles that all of us face today. One king was known as a compromiser. The other king was known as a reformer. So let's just dive right in. First, let's examine the life of King Jeroboam. And again, the phrase which best describes this king 
is Jeroboam, who made Israel to sin. What an epitaph for a man who served 22 years as king of Israel. Well, we don't know how old Jeroboam was when he became king. We know he began serving King Solomon as a young man in Solomon's court. The Bible says that Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And when Solomon saw how industrious he was, he promoted him, and people began to recognize his gift of leadership. The prophet Ahijah prophesied that God would divide the kingdom upon Solomon's death and that Jeroboam would rule over the ten tribes of the northern kingdom of Israel. As Solomon was backsliding, he felt threatened, and he turned against Jeroboam, and so Jeroboam had to flee for his life into exile to Egypt until Solomon's death. After Solomon's death, when Solomon's son Rehoboam chose not to listen to the elders of the people, the kingdom was divided and Jeroboam was chosen by the people to lead them. God promised him that if he would hearken to God's commands, if he would keep God's ways, God would bless his leadership and would give Israel unto him, much like he had done for David. What a promise, what potential he had. Sadly, although he had been chosen by God to lead God's people, he chose to lead out of fear based on his own insecurities which we all understand is a dangerous thing for a kingdom leader. Leaders who lead out of a mindset of fear are always going to be weak, insecure leaders who ultimately only care about their own self-preservation. And as a result of this, Jeroboam felt the need to compromise what he knew to be right and true. He was afraid of losing the people, afraid of losing power, afraid of losing his life. And so he led by control and trying to micromanage the people. Instead of challenging the people to step up, instead of utilizing his position as a leader, a God-called leader, and challenging the people to move forward and raise the standards, Jeroboam did quite the opposite. And he did this by lowering the standards and compromising God's commandments and statutes. So how did this happen? Well, first, early in his reign, he began to corrupt the worship of Jehovah God by instituting golden calves as objects of divine adoration. And so he had two golden calves formed, which he had placed in his kingdom as objects to be worshipped, or idols. And we know how much God hates idolatry. And then secondly, in his mind, he was afraid that when the people made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship the Lord in the house of the Lord, he was afraid they would turn back to Rehoboam and he would lose his life. And so not only did he create these two golden calves and said, these are the what should be worshipped, but he also placed them in two cities, Dan and Bethel, one at the northern boundary area of his kingdom, the other at the southern boundary. And um, he said, this is where people are now going to go to worship. You don't need to bother going to Jerusalem. And so he made it easier for the people so they wouldn't have to go all the way to Jerusalem, but it was all to preserve himself. 
And so he set up those two golden calves in Dan and Bethel. And he said, Israel, here are your gods. These are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. And it's too much trouble for you to go all the way back to Jerusalem to worship. And so I'm going to make it easier on you. I'm going to make it more comfortable for you. So it's not not a trouble to you. And we'll just substitute this. And these are the new houses of worship. And so the peoples began to go to Dan and Bethel and worship these golden calves. The third thing he did was he appointed priests from other tribes besides the tribe of Levi. And this was obviously unauthorized since the law had spoken nothing about priests coming from any other tribe. We understand the priesthood is the Levitical priesthood. And he chose the lowest of the people to serve in this highly spiritual capacity, although God had been very specific about the priesthood coming from the tribe of Levi. Again, self-preservation, insecurity, and fear. The fourth thing he did was he altered the time of the Feast of the Tabernacles. Again, a very sacred observance under the law. He changed the date and the month that it would be held. And again, just changing everything that related to people's worship and they the way they worshiped God. Now you might say, and maybe there were people in Jeroboam's day that said this, Jeroboam is an innovator. Isn't he creative? Creating all these ways to make things easier on us so it's not as much of a sacrifice to serve the Lord. But we obviously know that God didn't appoint Jeroboam to change those sacred practices. The Bible says he devised these things in his own heart. And again, it was rooted in fear and insecurity of losing power and losing his life and wanting to please the people and to have their support. And so here's Jeroboam and again, the first king of the divided Israel. And so the prophet the prophet who had prophesied that he would take 10 of the tribes and be their king before it even happened. He comes to him later and says, you have done more evil than all who lived before you. You made for yourselves other gods, idols made of metal. You've aroused God's anger and turned your back on God. So Jeroboam's sin was one of idolatry as he created and worshiped gods other than Jehovah God. And what made his sin so grievous is not just that he was willing to do it himself, but as a spiritual leader, as a kingdom leader, he led his followers into this same sin. And he utilized his position of leadership. Instead of causing people to do better, he led the people in the wrong direction. And it's so amazing to me when I'm reading through the books of the Bible where it talks about all the kings of Israel. There are at least 20 times the Bible makes very specific and refers back to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. And there were countless kings that followed him, that followed his legacy, And the Bible says they followed in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. And I hope that's not a legacy that any of you listening to this podcast today would ever hope to be said about you. 
that we made God's people to sin. And so Jeroboam, who could have been a king as great as David, God had made him that promise if he would be faithful. He could have been remembered as somebody, you know, with such a great legacy, but instead he became the prototype evil king. God even sent a prophet to him who spoke to him at the altar that he had erected at Bethel. God tried to get him to change his ways. And that prophet who came to that that altar at Bethel where Jeroboam was, he actually prophesied to him that there was coming a day and there was coming a king, a king by the name of Josiah, who would one day destroy that altar and would cleanse the nation of all of the idolatrous practices that Jeroboam had established. Unfortunately, even a warning from a prophet of God did not change his wicked ways. And we'll talk about that king that would do that, Josiah, in just a moment. Ultimately, Jeroboam's sin cost him his life, cost him the life of his son. And eventually, everyone related to Jeroboam, the Bible says, they were cut off. Only his son died a natural death. All of this left a legacy that no one wants to be remembered for. And again, although God had promised him a great and lasting dynasty like David's, he rejected God's promise. And in order to achieve political security, he abolished the national worship of the Lord and replaced it in idolatry. Sadly, his dynasty ended after only two generations and it caused the downfall of Israel as well. And so many kings followed in his practices that ultimately it led to God's judgment against the entire nation of Israel. And so I'm encouraging you right now as we've concluded our deep dive into Jeroboam, don't follow the pathway of Jeroboam who made Israel to sin What a sad and disappointed legacy of a called man of God. Although he served for 22 years, think of all the good things he could have accomplished during that time. But rather, we know him today as a compromiser, someone who led out of fear and someone who took God's people in the wrong direction. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. So let's turn the tables now. That's depressing. That's sad talking about this man who had such potential as a next-gen leader and failed. So let's look at another next-gen king who did the right things. Josiah. King Josiah. He was known as the king who made Israel to serve the Lord. Quite the opposite. He served 31 years as king of Judah. Second Chronicles 34 tells us he made all that were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord and he led by example. So some things about Josiah. His name in the Bible means healed of the Lord or the Lord will support. And God did bring healing and restoration to the people of Judah during the reign of Josiah. Now, Josiah actually began to reign when he was eight years old. He was even a little younger than our next-gen demographic. His father had been very wicked, 
as had the Jewish kings and the culture for generations before him. But in the eighth year of his reign, when he was 16 years of age, the scripture tells us that Josiah began to seek the Lord right as a teenager, someone who just was old enough to get their driver's license and he's seeking after the Lord. And as he's seeking after the Lord, he begins to set about restoring the house of the Lord. He realizes that the nation is in a terrible shape and there's evil and wickedness and idolatry everywhere. The nation has fallen on hard times. And so they, they start taking money from the building fund, we would say, and they start remodeling the temple. They start doing work on the house of the Lord and cleaning out all the idols and all the filth and all the things that were so um, pugnacious to the Lord. And while they were doing the remodeling of the temple of the house of the Lord, they found the forgotten and lost book of the law, the Torah. The word of God had been lost in the house of God. What a shame and a tragedy. And it was while Josiah is doing everything he can to restore the things from the past, the things of God back to the commandments and the law and all the practices they find the book of the law. And so they bring it to Josiah and they read it to him. And as they read it to him and begin to read the prophecies of God's judgments that would come upon them for their wickedness, Josiah, he begins to weep. He begins to tear at his clothes. He begins to fast and he recognizes that the nation is in trouble. And he begins to seek to the Lord and he seeks counsel through hold of the prophetess, and, and she gives him encouragement and tells him, yes, there's coming great judgment against the people, but God has seen your heart and he's gonna bless you. And so Josiah, as he's clearing out all of the idols and the practices and getting rid of all the priests that were not of the tribe of Levi, he also reestablishes the sacred Passover celebration. And the Bible says there had never been a Passover like the Passover that Josiah led the people through. It was the first Passover all the way back to the days of Samuel as the people sought the Lord. I love the fact that Josiah, he raised the bar. He raised the standard. He challenged people to move forward rather than step backwards. He was the reformer. And again, he led by example. He was secure in his leadership as a God-called leader. And he wasn't afraid of the people. He wasn't afraid of self-preservation. You've got to believe that there were a lot of enemies and people who didn't want the change, wanted things to say as they were. But he was courageous as he led them by faith and not by fear. A couple of key points about Josiah and the time that he reigned in Judah's history Obviously, you're never too young to be used mightily of the Lord. While he became king at eight, at the age of 16, he begins to seek the Lord. And I'm so thankful that God speaks to us when we're still young and our hearts are still tender. And God can use you even if you are a teenager. And Josiah is proof positive that God does that. And then secondly, a lot can happen in a short period of time. Josiah, 
He tore down all the places of false worship that had ensnared the people of Judah for over 70 years. Wow, some of those places had been around even longer, even longer than he had been alive. And he was a crusader for righteousness and the things of God. You could say he cleaned house, destroying all the evil practices that Jeroboam and the kings that had followed him had established. And so it's so encouraging to know that God can use you and he can do a lot of good in a short period of time when we seek him and follow his instructions. Then the third thing is God can use unlikely people to speak into our lives. God used a woman, Holda the prophetess, to speak into Josiah's life and to give him godly counsel as he was a young man, a teenager, and so he sought her out. And so we as next-gen leaders, I strongly encourage you to seek counsel of wise men and women who have years of experience and can speak into your life while you're still gaining experience. They will be a blessing to you and they will be a guardrail to keep you from making tragic mistakes. The fourth point is Josiah led from a position of faith, trusting God to honor the reformation that he brought about and bring about a spiritual revival and restoration to Judah. He restored all of those sacred traditions that had been abandoned by his predecessors. He was courageous and trusted that God put him in that position to bring about the restoration. The fifth point is we might say that Josiah went old school as opposed to compromising and innovating right out of the will of God like Jeroboam did. He went back to the original patterns, observing the Passover, again, which hadn't been done in ages of time, restoring the ancient landmarks, the ancient traditions, the ancient standards that the Bible said were so necessary in the people's walk with God. And then finally, number six, instead of compromising or lowering his standards and the standards of the people, Josiah challenged the people to raise their standards. He served for 31 years and brought about such revival and restoration during his reign and his leadership. And he'll always be remembered, Josiah, the king who made Israel serve the Lord. What a leadership legacy that he made an entire nation serve the Lord. And the Bible records in 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23 that God told him, you know, I'm, yes, I'm still going to pour out my wrath upon the people because of what they've done, but you're not going to see it in your lifetime. And the Bible records there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all of his heart and with all of his soul. And with all of his might, neither after him arose any like him. Wow, what a legacy. What a compliment. What a testimony of the kind of man and the kind of leader that Josiah was. And so I'm challenging everyone listening today. Follow the pattern of Josiah, seeking the Lord, fearlessly obeying what he's calling you to do. Because you have more influence than you think you do. Josiah, one man, made Israel to serve the Lord. His example, his leadership turned an entire nation around. And I just got to tell you, we need some Josiahs in our day.
to turn the tide of compromise and carnality in the world and the church that we live in today. So let me just quickly give a short summary before we wrap up today. King Jeroboam and King Josiah, significant next-gen leaders in history. Jeroboam being the first king of the northern kingdom, Josiah a latter king in the southern kingdom of Judah. Jeroboam, known for his role of implementing idolatrous practices that prevented his subjects from going to the southern kingdom to worship that led to a lasting legacy of idolatry in the northern kingdom. But then on the other hand, and I'm so thankful to share about Josiah, he was known for his efforts to reform and restore worship of Jehovah. And he instituted religious reforms and removed the idolatrous practices and rediscovered the book of the law. Josiah's reign is seen as a period of religious revival. And so I'm trusting today that we're going to choose to follow the example of Josiah. And we're going to learn by the mistakes of Jeroboam, these two next-gen leaders. I want to wrap up today by just sharing a leadership principle that as you grow in your leadership, something that you need to get better at and embody into your leadership profile. As next-gen leaders, we must be comfortable making the people we lead uncomfortable or otherwise we'll never be strong leaders. Leaders are not people pleasers, but kingdom leaders are God pleasers. So let me explain what I mean about us getting comfortable making the people we lead uncomfortable. Here's the deal. Great leaders create a conflict for the people that they lead. And this conflict is in the form of a challenge. And then great leaders provide a solution to resolve that conflict. They continually challenge their people to do better, to raise the bar, to move forward, to reach higher. Great leaders never stop challenging the people they lead. They never allow people to get lax and lazy. But as the people grow, they just keep on moving the bar forward. They never lower the standards or expectations. They never compromise the things that matter most. You know, the Bible tells us, talks to us about provoking people. We get really focused on it, tells us not to provoke people to anger. But it does tell us in the affirmative that we are to provoke people to good works. And so as apostolic leaders, we've got to become proficient in doing this, challenging people, knowing that the challenge is going to make them uncomfortable, but we've got to do it anyway and not be afraid of our own self-preservation or our own reputation. But we're challenging them to go higher and further, become more like Christ. So in closing today, which next-gen king do you most identify with? Jeroboam, who obviously chose not to make people uncomfortable, or Josiah, who was not bothered at all with challenging the people and making them uncomfortable, which brought about a revival in Israel. 
So what legacy will you leave behind? It's not too soon to start thinking about the legacy you're going to leave behind because your actions every day will determine that legacy. Will you be known as a compromiser like Jeroboam who led out of fear and made God's people to sin? Or will you be known as a reformer, a challenger like Josiah who led out of faith and made God's people serve the Lord? The choice is yours today. Make up your mind right now to pattern your life and leadership after Josiah and not after Jeroboam. And it's my prayer today in delivering this podcast and this word that you will choose. You'll make the right choice. Finally, I just want you to know the Oklahoma district believes in your generation, your demographic, Our next-gen leaders team is committed to providing you training and resources to become leaders like Josiah and make Oklahoma or wherever God calls you to serve the kingdom of God the best it can be. Until next time, many blessings to you. Thank you for listening with us today. Make sure to subscribe to the Oklahoma Next-Gen Leaders podcast and social media so you can stay up to date on our newest content. Until next time, we pray this episode ignites something within you.